Okay, here we are. It's Spousal Privilege, Episode 2. Of the Americans. Well, Episode 2 of our show. Oh. And also <laughs> Episode 2 of the Americans. Yes. Yes, so uh, this Episode 2 of the Americans, uh, this one's called The Clock. Although I guess before we get into that, I guess I said this when we were talking about what the show would be like, what our show would be like. We talked about having uh, follow-up at the beginning of episodes. And so let's talk about follow-up from our first episode. Well, one, we don't have any follow-up from like listener feedback because I don't think we really have any listeners yet because at the time we're recording this, the first episode's only been posted for a couple of days and we haven't really promoted it heavily. No. As we have not. Meaning we haven't really even mentioned it to anybody we know um, who would probably be the first and most likely people to listen. So, um, so yeah, pretty much I don't think anybody's heard the show yet. But at any rate, even though no listeners have given us feedback, there were a couple of follow-up items from the last episode that I wanted to share. Uh, one, I was going to explain, I think there's a couple of times in the first episode where we talked about music. I know at one point we were listening to a preview of Tusk that listeners couldn't hear because it was only on the computer here. And the reason for that is I got a little nervous about copyright stuff and all and, and whether or not it would be okay to have snippets of commercially produced music that we don't own. And so that's why you didn't hear anything of Fleetwood Mac and also when we joked about uh, ending the show with the song Super Freak, uh, that's the reason that I didn't go uh, get that. I don't, I don't want uh, Rick James on my ass. And so the uh, that's the reason that you didn't hear any music from us uh, in that episode. So uh, we may talk a little bit about music here and there, and we may provide some links in the show notes to places you can go listen to music, uh, but we won't actually edit some stuff in because... There's supposed to be rules about fair use and that kind of thing, but I don't know that that's, you know, I really want to bank on, bank on that. The, uh, the second follow-up item we had, uh, was we were talking about that, that mysterious knife, knife thing. Yeah. The mysterious knife that, uh, Chase got, uh, stabbed in the gut with in the first episode and I figured out after the sh after we were done recording, I finally went and did some more extensive Googling and figured out, and I actually included the link in the show notes for episode one, that that was called a push knife. Um, and it's, it's particularly for hand fighting or for concealment. And it was popular among secret agents. No big surprise that they included it in this secret agent show. Um, and so there is... Uh, I'll put the uh, link in this week's show notes also, but uh, it's actually kind of cool. There's some, there's some different, a lot of different kinds of them and uh, apparently different countries have actually outlawed them. So it was, it was interesting. If you want to nerd out on knife stuff a little bit, that's a, a fun little rabbit hole. That's all I've got for follow-up. Anything from you? I don't think so. I Well, I mean, I guess there was, kind of a scene that we kind of talked about afterwards that we didn't talk about in the first episode if we want to kind of go back it was which one it was when um philip and the son were watching the 
astronaut man talk. And then, like, they were doing the Pledge of Allegiance and stuff. And oh, I was yeah. saying how when that was him kind of coming up with the decision of, like, we'll leave this little, yeah, we you know, had... secret life and, you know, let's do this American thing or whatever. Yeah, we had different takes on that scene when we talked about it later. I remember now. Um, because that was your take, that that, that was, that you, you read it as Philip um, saying, hey, this American thing's not so bad. Maybe I could do this. Yeah, maybe I, maybe we could be, you know, we should defect and be Americans. And my read was, um, I was thinking it was this really good acting moment because what I was reading into it from the look on, uh, on Philip's face was that he was having this kind of homesickness for the motherland as he was hearing the United States National Anthem um, that he was feeling lonely because he was trapped in this, you know, surrounded by all these Americans getting to be all patriotic and he was stuck, you know, having to pretend and not getting to share his true feelings. But uh, when we were talking about it, I, I think I ended up agreeing with your take that that was probably more the intention, certainly since it was just one or two scenes later, I think, when he was suggesting that they make a deal. Right. So nothing else from, from the first episode? I don't think so. Unless we didn't want to talk about the beating of the weirdo perv from the mall. But I don't think we want to do that. <laughs> I don't think we have to really dig in deeply no. into the into the beating of the pervert guy. It was just really him. And I don't think that's going to be like a... He's, I don't think he's going to come back as a recurring I don't think character. he's going to come back. It was just kind of funny. His um, Phillips, I guess, disguise for that beating... Well, kind yeah. of funny. His disguise for the beating, he was dressed up in like coveralls and he, like he was a repairman or something or the meter or reader or whatever. Like greaseball looking weirdo. Yeah. And, I, and if we saw anything tonight, I think that indicated that maybe some of these greasy uh, uh, sleazeball costumes are maybe going to be one of his trademark things. Yeah. <laughs> um. Disguises are getting kind of funny. I think that the intention of that scene in episode one was mostly to establish that Philip could beat the shit out of somebody. Definitely. Yeah, I think that was that was the intention there. It was like, okay, we we made this very bad character. You don't have to be conflicted about like, oh, but it's a Russian beating up an American guy. Like, no, the American guy was a was a total douchebag, you know, pedophile dude. So he deserved to get the shit beat out of him. So, um. Clearly, we were intended to be rooting for Philip. Correct. I think we can move on now to episode two All right, of so the Americans. Official, as always, spoiler alert on episode two, season one of the Americans. And so uh, the clock, it uh, it starts off. Another we, sex scene. <laughs> we joked before before we sat down to watch this tonight that like, oh, you think they'll start off with another hot sex scene? And we're like, yeah, right. Like, that's going to be a recurring theme. And then now the like, song Hot Sex on the Platter is in my head. It's yeah. said a hot sex scene. That's not from the 80s. No, it's not. No, 90s. 90s. Boomerang came out in the 90s. That's so, right. Hot Sex on a Platter. That we probably could edit in here without risk of lawsuit because... I think the person would be very excited if we actually... Like, oh my gosh, somebody remembers my song. But uh, I'm still not going to do that. But I will put a link in the show notes... So people can go listen to a little snippet somewhere. I'll find one of uh, 
hot sex on a platter. Maybe I'll maybe I'll luck out and I'll find the whole thing on a like a YouTube video or something. So it's the opening scene of sex, and so it's actually Philip, but not with his, I guess, wife or supposed wife that we know of. No, definitely not. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> not. Was it Elizabeth? Definitely not Elizabeth. No, because I was, I was like, I was like, dang, they're, I guess they're picking up where they kind of left off at the right. last episode. They're they're going at it. And then it was like, Whoa, blonde. Wait a, wait a minute, blonde, and that's not a that's not a blonde wig this time. No, no. And then like this interesting little. I mean, she's just like in bras and panties, but then this the weird kind of contraption-y thing. Yeah, which we, we couldn't really, we see it like from the back. It looked like some kind of, like I was like, what is this? Some kind of weird bondage thing or something? Because then was what like, was weird was like in. he like, yeah, he rehooked the thing. And it was like. It had a fastener on it that looked like a dog yeah. leash or something. It was. Yeah, it was just weird. And it was like, well, this, this is really strange. And we didn't actually in this scene see what it was. We only got that view no. from the back. Right. And so it looked like they were just doing some kind of. Weird bondage. Yeah, some kink. And, uh. Uh, and she was calling him Scott. Yeah, which was then a little weird. It's like it's this kind of like a flashback thing. Yeah, like we, don't him. Really, we don't. We're not grounded enough yet to know. Like, are these? And like we talked about last time, uh, since they don't look particularly younger in the flashbacks, you don't know. Like, is this right. <laughs> is this happening now or not? I mean, his hair was a little different. It was. Yeah, and the, we come to realize though, she, she refers to him as Scott and says something about. Uh, Swedish intelligence. Yes. And uh, and so that's when we realize, like, oh, okay, that he's he's playing a role here. This is he's we don't know why yet, but he's not role play. <laughs> he's definitely uh, uh, working this lady for some reason. So anyway, Philip's a secret agent from Sweden. Yes. And his name is Scott, and he wears blue contact lenses. To appear more Swedish, apparently. Right. A lot to go along with all these other disguises. And so then it cuts to... So we see that he's putting this weird bondage looking contraption on her. We don't understand why. And then it kind of cuts to... She's at a party, right? She's, yeah, she's at a party. And she's there with uh, what I guess is her husband. Because it was clear that she was cheating on her husband with secret agent fake fake secret agent scott did she say a name or something she said his name i didn't write it down so i don't know what it was but it was clear that he was some kind of old man government official kind of person so then it starts to become clear why he was working the scale because right. she was getting them some kind of access and so they're at a party and she excuses herself she makes an excuse she even like i guess answers a question or whether it makes her husband guy like all impressed that she knew like an answer or something like that. Or... Yeah, they were arguing about whether or not a certain class of Russian submarine had been retrofitted. I think they were talking about retrofitted to be able to fire nuclear missiles. And um, her husband was saying that he didn't think it had been retrofitted. And she said, I'm almost certain it, it hasn't been, but I'll go look it up and confirm that. And she, so she walks out of the room and as she's walking out of the room, her old man husband says that 
well, my wife is almost never wrong or something like that. So, so she has some kind of credibility, I guess, in this conversation. Right. And then, but of course, then one of the other old men is kind of watching her walk off. Oh, yeah. They were, they were Pervin. Yeah. Young specimen. Yeah, for real. I mean, it was, uh, so anyway, she, uh, so she makes her excuses, leaves, and goes into, I guess this, this is not their home. They're at a party right. at somebody else's house. We find out later it's the, like, the Secretary of Defense. Right. And so she uh, she goes into the study and closes the door behind her and unfastens the front of her blouse, dress, blouse, whatever she had on. A little on. sweater. And now it's it's revealed what the what the weird harness contraption was about because she has a secret agent camera in her cleavage and it's it's so i mean once again here we are it's it's the early 80s so it's a very bulky secret agent camera oh my gosh uh, it's it's amazing that she would even be able to it's conceal it it's like the it. size of like the oh gosh it's like one of those flip cameras that we like the yeah. one we used to have that little, you know, that you could like record HD video on. Except all this did was to, like a little mini film camera. Like maybe like maybe a tiny bit narrower than like my Red Nano. Oh, you know what it reminds Definitely me? Definitely bulkier. Speaking but... of eighties stuff, remember that? Remember the like thing where it was like the it was a cam it was a whole camera, but it was basically the size of a roll of film. It oh was, my gosh! It was, it yes, was about as big as like a roll of dimes. Yes, and so it was like long, like that. It was kind of like that. Yeah, which I guess that would have been about the right technology for the time. Yeah. Um, he probably would have taken that to the photo mat to get it developed. I put it in. What was some of the mail off things that you could do? I don't know about mail off. I know there was. It used to be when you went to the store. A lot of times, if it was if you did film developing, you put it in the envelope and dropped it in the yeah, bin, and it was still like you know, maybe a week later you'd have your pictures or whatever. There was some like or like like Fox or. Oh yeah, Fox was the thing. But then there was like some other like things that you could ship them off to. Like I just remember the photo mat because that's what we always did. It was in the parking lot of the mall. It was basically exactly like what. Marty McFly drives through in the right. middle of the. Uh, Which I think that one was Twin a Pines fox mall parking lot. Really, I think. I mean, I'm the one that's watched Back to the Future many times, but you've you've. you've I feel like I've you, seen the fox logo. High confidence level. Which is very rare for me. Um, I normally just. I grew up in small town USA, so it was like Walmart. That's where we. Once you finally got a Walmart. I guess you would have you had like a non super center Walmart for oh, yeah. years and years. Multiple years. Oh, was it the old like wagon wheel brown old definitely. Westy font Walmart? Oh, definitely. We had that in Olathe, Kansas when I was a little kid. But the original Walmart location was definitely that. I think <laughs> that's, I, that's I, I recall at least Walmart. I think maybe three locations of Walmart in my hometown. It's the magic of urban sprawl. They yeah. just keep moving around town. Because it's cheaper to go build a new building somewhere than to actually, like, improve the one you're already in. That's all right. So, anyway, she's got this bulky camera barely hidden in her cleavage. I mean, she had pretty good-sized cleavage, and yet it's still amazing that it concealed this giant camera. Um, but she proceeds to snap pictures of this whole study. So, we don't, we don't at this point know what she's what this is all about, but she's 
clearly taking photos of the layout of the room and what's in it. And she's just finished up doing it and her blouse is still kind of hanging open, but she's facing away from the door when it opens and there's like some security dudes. Yes, excuse me. Ma'am, you're not allowed to be in here. This is a restricted area. And so they escort her out and then it cuts to a different scene. The blonde meeting with Philip, a.k.a. Scott. Oh, yes, because they, they kind of had a little rendezvous. Yes. To she, get the They had some camera. celebratory sex, I think. She was very turned on by her little secret agent experience. And so uh, she was explaining to him how she thought she was busted, but she did just like he told her and at, at the right moment dropped that her husband was whatever important officially was. And, and so that got her, got her off, uh, scot free. And, uh, and so she turned, you know, so he got the camera and then they celebrate. Yeah. They bumped uglies. Yep. And so then it cut to dark room, the dark room. And then they're developing the photos. It's like all the different parts of the study uh, because that's when uh, <laughs> they're developing the photos and, and Elizabeth picks one up that's the blonde. Yeah, it's a picture of the blonde. It's like... And she's in her, like, underwear or whatever. I didn't realize she would look like this. Yeah, I think... Yeah, and she, he tries to, like, be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her... Because I, I, I wrote it down. She said, she said, you didn't say she looked like that. This is the way she said it. And uh, so, yeah, there was, some, there was some jealousy there, maybe. She was definitely just having fun with him, it seemed right. like. She well, obviously, she doesn't know how far he's taken his job. Oh no, I think. You think she? Oh no, I think it's very clear that she knows that they boned down. Oh, okay. Just like he knows that she boned down with the dude last week. Well, that wasn't like she. I think they take a very business-like approach to this. They're like, they're like, no, you gotta use, you gotta work these sources, okay. and so you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to bone. And then it's hmm. like they considered, I think, to be part of the job description. Okay. It's not an emotional thing. It's a, it's a business transaction. Gotcha. That's what that, that's my impression okay. of it anyway. I think that over time, because they, I think, I think we both think that they are, they have more feelings for each other than maybe either one wants to admit. Right. That they have grown close. And so that it does probably bother them. Like maybe it didn't when they were, it was like when they were first together mm -hmm. on assignment. But over the years, it's been 20 years now. Yeah, they're probably like, you know, so there's probably a little bit underneath that. Like, oh, hmm, you didn't say that she was good looking, you know? Like it wasn't exactly a chore to have to bone this right. one. Right. She wasn't like a brown, like, she like, wasn't brown back special or anything. <laughs> so Elizabeth's a little jealous. And, but then we cut to, FBI guy, Stan. Yes. You know what I noticed at this point? No music. Yeah, there wasn't any music. Because we had some kind of like, the, you know, we had some secret agent stuff happening in the opening, and I was kind of like, hey, wait a minute. How come they don't have like a cool 80s tune underneath this? Well, they did have a new, we both realized that the opening thing, like, in between the opening scene and the rest of the episode, there was the actual... The opening credits. Yeah, the opening credits where they actually showed more stuff about the people. 
by yes. the characters. Yeah. So last time the, on the on the pilot episode, they just gave us a title card that said the Americans, uh, but this time we got a full blown opening credit sequence, and it made sense that they hadn't done this the first time because in the first episode they hadn't really revealed that they were Russian yet, and the title sequence has a, a whole bunch of like Russian imagery and American imagery, like all this very Cold War stuff, right? And uh, and so it made, you know, it, it would have probably given that away if they'd have done that on the first episode. But yeah, no music in the, in the, in the opening sequence. And I'm thinking back now, other than some just kind of general score, there was no pop music in this episode. I'm fairly certain. Did you, did I miss any? No, now that you're mentioning it, I, I can't think of anything. I mean, there, of course, there wasn't like really any kind of. I can't think of a spot where they would actually, I guess, have some music. It really wasn't like this. I guess maybe later during the one fight, but yeah. So, so there's a website we've that I found last week that seems to have a really good recap of the music in each episode, and no songs. There's literally no songs listed for episode two, so. Without spoiling too much and looking ahead, I can see that there are songs in some future episodes. Four songs. But definitely less than the six that were in the pilot episode. So it's a little bit of our fear confirmed that that they like went super overboard and had all this kick-ass music in the first episode, but then they didn't have any music budget. (laughs) Or they just didn't work so hard to figure out how to fit it in. Quit reading ahead. You're reading. I, I can see. I was just looking it. at the the number of songs. Like, okay, it looks like, with the exception of maybe like one more episode later, there's at least one or two in most of the episodes for the rest of season one. But I'm clicking off of that now, so we don't spoil anything. Um, this is probably a good time to tell everybody that uh, where they can find show notes. So uh, they can always go to spousalprivilege.com. That's uh, that's probably the quickest way to get there. If you want to go directly to the show notes for this episode, episode two, you can go to nerd.is slash spousal slash two. That'd be the direct link to episode two and uh, in all the show notes. And of course, if you're looking, if you're listening to this in a podcast player like Overcast or Apple's podcast app, you can just look at the information right there in the app and all the show notes will be there for you. So dumb, not dumb. I'm not, I guess a super nerd question. What's up? <laughs> Do people actually listen to podcasts, not inside of a pocket, like overcast or Apple? Well, so they play whatever iTunes. Do. So, I mean like literally they can go download the MP3 from our website directly and they could be listening to that MP3 file on any device that plays an mp3 gotcha which i'm now realizing like if my parents actually if your 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 dad might download it and like burn it to a cd and then listen to it in his new escape <laughs> actually i'm just now realizing that's probably how he would listen to microphone talking with you and penelope so i don't think he would go to itunes no he'd probably go to the website and then just click that's what play. i'm saying yeah because yeah they can they can stream it in the browser on the website. And so that's how some people would listen to it. But there is a download link right there. So, so yes, there is. Gotcha. You know, there is that. 
mostly I'm just copying what other podcasts that I listen to do, and they they seem to like to give people a, a link to where you can find show notes. You listen to other people's podcasts? I do. Really? Way too many of them. I don't ever hear you listening to them. No, we established earlier today that Michelle has overheard me listening to so many podcasts that she actually is starting to be able to tell who's who and remember what shows they're on. I still don't... I'm still not very good with Dan and Merlin for some odd reason. I still think they sound somewhat the same. For I, I don't know. I think those are the two. So no, I know the difference between. Um, you, s- you sometimes mix up Dan and Merlin, and John and Merlin, and now there's Merlin and other John. It's because I listen to all Merlin shows. I do know who Roderick is. I do That's recognize John's, yes. right. I do recognize his voice over the guy who, who he's normally talking to with Roderick on the line, which is Merlin. Dan nice. is Dan. No, you, no, no you okay. nailed it. You had it the first okay. time, and then you ruined it by by immediately. I, I was trying to. I was trying to ga- guess from your reaction if I got it right or not. I can like really see your mouth. Well, it's because I was over here. I was wanting. I was trying to like go Merlin. I was trying to. <laughs> I was trying to mouth it for you. Okay. You like John Roderick so much that you made him a pillowcase for his daughter. And, I did. Uh, and sent it to him. I did. And we're eagerly awaiting the possibility of him opening it up while doing one of his shows. Yes, I wanted to make his daughter fit a towel too, but I didn't get to it. Yeah, you kind of overcommit on these things sometimes. Yeah, my head, I do that a lot with a bunch of things in my head. So yeah, I listen to a few podcasts. I use the Overcast podcast app on iOS, and uh, it has a feature where it's it uh, strips out the silences to speed up your listening of the show so you can listen to more podcasts, which is why I like that. And I've been using this app for a year and a half since it came out, and that feature has saved me 132 hours of listening time. Does it tell you your All total I, listening no, time, though? I don't want to know my total listening time. <laughs> but how but, many hours do you need to break that, that down in days? 32 hours of silence has been removed from the shows I've listened to in the last year and a half. So if you consider the fact that most of the shows I listen to are probably around an hour, a lot of times they're more, that's a lot of show. I don't know what percentage of a show is normally silence, but I got to think it's probably 10% or less. So anyway, that's my endorsement is Overcast. If you're looking for somewhere to listen to our show and potentially some other shows. Yes, we like Overcast. We would like for Overcast to like us. (laughs) And that's... uh, if you if you do want to share our show, you can either rate it in iTunes or you can click that recommend star in Overcast if you're listening in there, or just tell somebody about it. Um, if you want to give us any feedback, you can find us on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Michelle's M Worsh, and I'm Nerd Dot Is Nerdosis. <laughs> That's what my grandmother calls it. Yes. Um, anyway. Let's get back to the show. Okay. 
so before I rather than me just going through this whole I, I took a whole bunch of notes way more than I really wanted to talk about uh what is it that uh anything particular jump out at you in this episode that you want you want to kind of talk about well I don't know I guess it's like this whole weird thing with I guess the mom and the daughter that that was kind of getting to me like I guess she was feeling a little disconnect. And to me, I was just getting this whole disconnect type thing. Like, and that's because I was feeling how she probably, I didn't think, or I don't think, that she knows how far Philip has taken his job as the Swedish spy person or whatever. Um, and then she's feeling disconnected with her own daughter. That's why I was just feeling this whole, like, sad, disconnecting feeling that she's having. Oh, see, I think you're forgetting that they, they set up in the in the first episode that she was worried her kids were too American. And she was, and so they, they kind of, they, they set up that disconnect already. That wasn't, like, new feelings. She was already, um... A little bit. She wasn't like synced up with her daughter and 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 buddy buddy with her, and then they and then they hammered it home because right after this, the scene we were just about to talk about, um, was after they come out of the dark room or, the, or whatever they were gonna have to go out. Yeah. And, uh, um. Her was wearing a bra. Yes, they they were they were leaving them with the babysitter, the kids, and she notices that her daughter's got there's a bra strap poking out of her top, and right. she's like, "What the hell's that?" I was like, well, you know, I just, I was just with some friends and picked them out. Like, I'm 13, mom. Yeah, I don't need my mom with me all the time. And I thought it was funny that she's like, I'm 13, mom. Like that was her reason for needing a bra, and her answer was, Yeah, exactly. You're 13. Like, of course you don't need one. Which, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a girl, but it seems like that's not an unreasonable age to need to get your first bra. I don't know. Some. I mean, it's all ob- about how obviously, you yeah. Are is it not? <laughs> yeah, it's all about developing at different ages and whatever. I mean, there's like the whole. I mean, there's sixteen candles where <laughs> their grandma. <laughs> what was it? Oh, it's. I think she's getting her boobies. Isn't it <laughs> something she's, like she's that? <laughs> and then talk about how they're perky. Oh, he's something like that. And then Grandpa says something like super perverted. Well, yeah. That... The the real the dirty old man one. Yeah. Um Fred. Is it is I it think so. Grandpa Fred. It's not Howard. Howard. Right. It's, it's the... Yeah, I think it's Fred. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like I can quote that line because it's it's terribly racist. Probably. Oh yeah, it's the one where Long Duck Dong is. Yes, never mind. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I <laughs> thought his name is Long Duck Dong. I is, thought you were trying to enough, think of but... Fred's what Fred said, but okay. Howard. Yeah. Um. So no, I still think you're, I still think you're misreading the, the not knowing that he's sleeping with the lady thing. I think we're gonna have to go watch the episode again. That's so fine. we can so we can decide that. But, but anyway. Yeah, there's definitely a running theme in this episode of her and her level of connection with the kids. 
because the last episode, I mean, you know, she seemed to be the hardcore one. The last episode where she was all about it's all about duty to right. the country. This is all covered. And she's kind of she's kind of getting soft. Yeah, and it's almost. I had a, I made a note later on. It's like they're taking turns. But then again, like she starts. What was it that she had like a knife on her or whatever? She had a gun on her. With a gun. Okay, I knew it was a weapon. There's a scene later on when they're scared that that this whole thing's going south and they might be maybe about to get caught. And he kind of pulls her close. Like, and he was going to, like, comfort her, yeah. like, hug. And, kind of and he's like, he pulls away, and you see that because he felt that she had a gun in a holster concealed on her hip. And uh, and he, he kind of looks at her, asks her about it, and, and her response was... Basically, I'm going down with a fight. Yeah, well, she said, I'm, I'm not getting arrested, was her response. So she's basically like, I'm just going to get killed if they try to arrest me. And so they had kind of a what about the kids conversation or do you think the kids would be okay? Right, because she, she feels like the son is capable of being able to... She thinks the, the, son, the son is stronger than the, yes. than the daughter is, even though he's younger. Right. And so, yeah, we might as well continue on this theme. At the end of the episode, she ends, she wakes up the daughter in the <laughs> middle of the night. Yes. To, Asking to... if she wants to... Or that she had mentioned about getting her ears pierced when she's, what, 15 or yeah, something like, like that? Yeah, hey, remember I told you you could get your ears pierced when you're 15. But you do it right now. Yeah, how about I do it? And she, and it was a total mom guilt trip thing. She's like, you can go with your friends to right. the mall if you want to. Um, or I could just do it right now. It could just be me and you. We can do it right now. And I kind of have expected the daughter to be like, Mom, go, you're weird. Go yeah, away. Like, I'm, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> But she took her up on it. I mean, I would have totally been like, um, sleep, hello. Well, but, of course you would. We know how much you like sleep. Yes. Um, But no, she took her up on it. And so it was the classic, like, numbing the ear with the ice cube. And that was a very big pin that she stuck through. It's a to, very big pin. And it didn't very, take very long to apparently numb the ear. It must to, have been the coldest ice cube must on have the been planet. the cold. cold I mean, she has very poor circulation right. in her ears. Um. But then there was the whole weird, I mean, obviously blood's probably going to drop or whatever. I mean, it's, of course, you know, maybe I'm just thinking grease, <laughs> you know, when. Oh, that's, that's the Frenchy. only ear, ear piercing scene I can think of. Right. And, you know, blood gets on things or whatever. But it was just that like it dropped and then the mom just like touches it. Like, it was just weird. It was weird. It was there was like a, a a very large drop of blood drops from the daughter's ear when she. I mean, like her whole it. finger. And she kind of reaches down really slowly and just sort of places her finger in it, like ever so gently, and has this weird smile looking at her. Daughter, yeah, it was like, very creepy. Like I, I was like we're blood sisters or something well, weird. I was really waiting for her to like pick her finger up and do something weird. I'm glad that she didn't. Like I thought she was kind of like it was like she was gonna pick up her finger and go like, boop. And like get her on the nose with her bloody finger. <laughs> so yeah, there was definitely a, a running theme in this episode of Elizabeth getting a little more sentimental about the family, while Philip was kind of getting a little more businesslike. He was, and he was just wanting to take care of business. And I was also seeing more force from neighbor man. Kind of saw more of a rough side of him. Oh, Stan. Yeah. FBI Stan. Yeah, like he was. I mean, like I mean, you know, he's gonna be 
they definitely established him more in this episode as somebody who knows how to take care of business right. on his end. So they're, right. they're they're making him like a formidable opponent to the uh, right to the spies because because uh, yeah. So that was actually after the uh, darkroom scene. The next scene was uh, Stan and his partner going into the stereo shop. Right. So they were like. They were observing this gal from the Russian consulate or whatever. And they saw her go in the stereo shop and then leave. Quickly with a wrapped gift because they were like. I'm glad you saw that because I didn't. I was probably taking a note or something. Yeah. So she quickly just kind of went in because then they were all like, you know, maybe she had ordered it or something like that. But then the guy was just like, but it was like wraps already or something like that, which I'm like. I guess maybe now I'm thinking nowadays that to me that wouldn't be so out of place nowadays because so many places I think you, I could call up and say. Right, but this wasn't like a click and collect situation. She hadn't ordered it online because online didn't exist. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so he and his partner go into this stereo shop and they encounter the most like ridiculous caricature of a dude trying not to cooperate with the police. Yeah. He's, he's, he looks... I mean, kind of a bigger guy, but obviously not gonna... I think he tries to, like, show that he's a big guy, but, like, he, he, he can't was, do like, shit. He's super combative, like, right out of the... They're, they're like, hey, can we ask you some questions? And he's like... You no. can be in here. Yeah. Get, you, hey, you can't ask me any questions. You can get behind here. Mind your own damn business. <laughs> I don't know anything. It's like, he's being such a such a jackass. It's like... They flash a federal agent badge in your face, and you you work in Washington D.C. Is it really that smart to be such a dick to the? I know. Uh, it's just like, can you not play it off a little bit better <laughs> that you don't know anything? Be yeah. like, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what can I help you with or whatever? No, he was just like, no. What do you want? I don't know anything. Bye. Get out. Uh. Unless you're buying a stereo, get out of here. Or whatever. <laughs> so they quickly figure out that they they stand stand. And gets his partner distracts the guy. He wa- just walks behind the counter and starts looking around. Ends up coming out with a uh, can of five hundred dollar can of caviar. That's right, fancy beluga caviar. You ever had caviar? No, because it's fish eggs. <laughs> I should have guessed that. I think I've had it once. Well, I'm guessing I it, it, was, it. I think for me, it was basically reenacting the scene from Big. Like I did not like it, and it was kind of like la. <laughs> you know, right there. So since it's beluga, I'm assuming beluga whale fish eggs. Yeah, normally it's like sturgeon eggs, but uh, um, but yeah, clearly I'm gonna have to Wikipedia uh, caviar and include a link so everybody oh, can so read gross. up on it. Also, but, I'm uh, thinking, I always, I guess, maybe thought that it would be like a cold thing, like you would want to kind of keep it refrigerated. I don't know. It was just kind of sitting there, and then even when he brought it over to Phillips' house, it was just like like a can of tobacco or something. It's like, hey, look at this. Hey, this has been be riding around my pocket all day. It's you nice want... and warm. He's got, a, he's got the circle in, the back, chips. His, in the back of his I mean, jeans from right. his caviar that he carries around. <laughs> yeah, I heard Skull makes a really nice caviar. <laughs> you prefer Copenhagen caviar? Definitely. <laughs> So yeah, so they they figure out that this stereo dude is into something shady. They don't know exactly what it is yet, but uh, but they swipe his caviar and they leave, and uh, and then we get um, 
Next thing I've got is Elizabeth is hanging out at a college. Uh, yeah. And she has a new wig. New wig. And very dark eyes. Oh, did she? Were they were they darker than Super normal? Brown. And, Super uh, Brown. Where what are eyes normally green? I'm thinking green. So yes, yeah, so, so so dark eyes, red hair, reddish. The, yeah. the, the bangs were red, and they did this really long pan down the umbrella that was yes. next to her on, as she was sitting on the bench. So it was like a Chekhov's gun situation. It was like okay, something's going down with this umbrella. And they didn't make us wait very long. No. Because she immediately sees whoever her mark is, hops up, runs over, and you, she flicks something on the umbrella and... Kind of like, stabs. So it's like pointy. There's like a needle pops out of the end of the uh, tip of the umbrella. And she trips into this dude and like kind of knocks him down. And... It was super awkward as we were seeing it, but the guy was facing the other way, so it yeah. wasn't obvious to him. She jabs him in the back of the leg with the... Because uh, he even says, ow. Yeah, oh yeah, he was like, you know, he definitely noticed. And that's when she apologizes, and he turns around and sees that she's like already on the ground, and he's like, oh no, it's okay, you know. So it was pretty slick, I guess. Very slick. So at first I thought maybe, it would, like, I didn't think... I guess that they were going to inject him with something, which we end up finding out. I was expecting some kind of, like, blood coming out. Like, he, he tried to, like, stab him or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, I thought, I was wondering, like, was she taking, you know, we didn't yeah. exactly know the plan at this point. Was she? I was like, was she taking a blood sample? Or was she, you know, I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure. But uh, But we find out here in just a little bit that she was injecting him with some kind of slow-acting poison. Right. Because, well, he has 72 hours to live? or Yeah, because then we cut to, uh, it tells us that we're in Anacostia in uh, southeast Washington, D.C., which I've now looked up. It is a historic neighborhood east of the river. The oh, and it's, it's near Capitol Hill, apparently. So this is where a lady who we saw a little bit earlier, Viola, she is the maid at the house that the uh, the study that was getting all right. the pictures secretly taken of it. And so this is where we kind of get all the, the the picture together here that um and there was a brief scene at the at the Russian headquarters where two dudes talked in Russian and subtitles yeah. the whole time and it became clear that um they weren't going to have 5 or 6 months to figure out how to infiltrate and and uh, do whatever they were going to do in this house that they were going to have to get some of their secret agents to do something fast. And so this this is when the plan starts to be revealed to us because Philip and Elizabeth go into Viola's apartment and Elizabeth's wearing the same outfit that she was yes. when she stabbed the dude with the umbrella. Uh, but Philip... <laughs> How would you describe Philip's outfit? Oh gosh! Well, he has the a nice little porn stash kind of going. <laughs> totally. And this weird, like, I, forget, I mean, it's like he. Would you like to know what my notes say? I mean, I well, I'm like, I don't think it's like a wig or well, yeah, but not, no, it's like somehow he kind of like tried to comb his curly hair straight or something. It was weird. 
My note just says, Philip the child molester. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He looks like the greasiest and of He was even balls. having like a different accent at first. He was trying to just sound like a sleazeball. I mean, you know, it wasn't a total like New York City thing, but it right. was like, he was definitely trying to sound like he was like from some kind of urban environment or something. It was, yeah, it was. definitely not from the suburbs. He, uh, so they, they, they give Viola the scoop. They're like, here's the deal. We need you to go to the place, the house you work in. You go into the study. There's a clock on the, on the, on the shelf. You need to take the clock, bring it to me. I'm going to do something. I'm going to give you back the clock. You're going to put it back. And it's not like it's just a shelf clock. It's actually like plugged in. Yeah, it's an electric clock. So it's got a cord on it. But he's like, yeah, you go, here's the deal. You go get the clock. You bring me the clock. I give you the clock back a little bit later. You put it back. As long as you get that done in the next 72 hours, we give the antidote to your son, who is the guy who got stabbed in the leg, and he won't die from this slow-acting poison. I kept saying one, two. Yeah, he did. He was like, he's like, you get the clock, you put the clock back, one, two. And then you do this, yeah, one, two. He was two. just like this, he, he was, was trying he, to be really sly and just kind of slick. He was like part of his character. Yeah. You know? Like, he was like, he was basically saying like, hey, it's easy. You know, you just do this, you do that. One, two, we're done. You're in, you're out, no big deal. She kind of started screaming and freaking out a little bit, and he like grabbed her and shoved her against oh, the yeah. wall. Did you see the like big old crack in the wall when he shoved no. her? The wall? Yeah, it was like I mean, it wasn't like last week when Elizabeth shoved the dude's head through the drywall, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, he was roughing up this uh, yeah. this lady a little bit. Um, got her to calm down. Got her to calm down. They uh, she agrees to the plan. They uh, Elizabeth and Philip leave, and. Um, he says to her later, and I think when they're in the car or at home or something, he says, um, people who believe in God make the worst targets. He said that specifically. Yep, he did. Because Viola said something about, she, she made it clear that she was, was a, a woman of faith. Right. And his point was basically that she, they, people, people that are believers in God could be unpredictable right. because they might think they're going to get saved by a higher power or something. Because then even when it's not, it can't just be, it's not just simple logic. It's not, they might, they might be expecting that somehow they're going to get saved by. Because it was like greater. when he, when he gave her the clock back to take back, she says something about like, aren't you worried about God or something like that? And it was like, no. And yeah, then, exactly. Exactly. They, yeah, they go back to the steam a couple of times, and it plays out uh, a little bit later. But yeah, so they so so she agrees to the plan. They then uh, they were talking about they had that conversation where he said that about uh, Viola, but um, Elizabeth and Philip were talking, and Elizabeth was quizzing him about the whole thing with Stan peeping in the garage. Yeah. Yeah, because she was kind of getting a little she was uneasy. Yeah, I was like, you know. She was like, are you sure that he, he wouldn't, you know. We're in the clear. They, he doesn't suspect anything. We're not, you know. And he said, well, we were, we kind of speculate. We kind of filled in the blanks last time. But uh, Philip straight up said, he's like, no, I, I saw the look on his face when he looked in the trunk. He felt stupid. Right. Um, he was, like, And that's kind of how, that's the look we saw too. 
Yeah. I was like, it, it was, was just kind of like, suspicious. He was, okay, he was, I'm making shit up in my head, like my wife said. He's like, if, if he'd really thought anything was going down, we already would have been raided by a bunch of federal agents by now. And then they had a, they have a conversation about, uh, uh, this is where she asks, you know, how do you think the kids would cope if we died? Because they're, they're really sensing that this mission could go south really fast. Because what the maid lady doesn't realize is that all she has to do is go tell on them. And there are, everybody gets busted. The only thing keeping her in line is, is fearing that um, they are the only ones with the antidote for this, the, the poison that, that right. her son's dying from. Um, if she thought for a second that, that the authorities could fix him, um, oh, yeah. then they'd be sunk. And so they're worried basically the whole time that she's going to change her mind. This is when we have the scene where Elizabeth's got the gun and says she's not getting arrested. Right. Uh, so you can see there's, they're getting a little erratic. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to think about, you know, what if this whole thing goes they're south? They're freaking. And so they're not feeling like they're in a good, good situation. They go to, uh, but Philip goes back supposedly to pick the clock up because it's the end of that day. Viola should have picked it up by then. So Philip goes to pick up the clock. She's got the clock. She gives it to him. While he's getting it from her, you see, like, over his shoulder, wait a minute, was there somebody there? And, yeah, there's some dude has come in, and he's pointing a gun at Philip. It turns out to be Viola's brother, uncle of the kid who's poisoned. And he and Philip have a knockdown drag out in the middle of the apartment. Before you know that, that's his... Who he is. Yeah, we just know that he's some guy pointing a gun, and that's all Philip needs to know to right. start, you know, start some shit Basically with Basically dislocates his shoulder or whatever. I thought he broke his arm. Did he, did Maybe he pop he his shoulder out? No, oh, there was some cracking and whatever. He was and... doing that thing where he looked like he was bending the elbow the wrong way, so I felt like he probably yeah. broke the arm. Who knows? Um, dude was definitely in pain. Uh, yeah. Regretting his decision yes. to go <laughs> up against this guy. Uh, he got some licks in, though, because Philip oh, yeah. was pretty banged up, too. Because Elizabeth tried to, like, I guess, touch him or something when he was fixing the clock, and he jumped, and he kind of lifted up his shirt and kind of saw yep. some bruises or whatever, and I guess she said, like, what did you do to him? And he said pretty much the same. Except for, I think, you know, Philip can move his arm. I don't think, I don't think the other guy can probably move one of his arms. Well, I thought it was interesting that he didn't do the, he didn't do the like, super macho thing where he's like, you know, hey, you should see oh, the yeah. other guy. He was basically just like, no, I got him too. Um, he wasn't trying to prove anything to her. No. That he was like Superman. So, yeah, this is where we see that the whole point of this is he's bugging the clock. Right. They're putting a listening device into the clock. Um, he gives Elizabeth the receiver so she can go in the other room and he... He whispers uh, something into the coming into to the you clock. live from oh yeah that's or yeah, something like that like, pretend like he's doing a radio broadcast because yeah she comes in and she says at least you still got your sense right. of humor and um, so yeah they uh, you know so they so they got the clock bug so now we know that was the whole deal they're just trying to listen in and that's the reason the the whole schedule got moved up is because apparently there's somebody from Britain coming in to meet with the Secretary of Defense. And so the Russians want to hear the conversation. And that was why they had to work so hard to do this faster. And so after this, uh, Philip's outside playing a little hockey with Henry. And that's what I thought. Bed. Because it was, well, what was weird was, because I guess I, I thought he was like ready for bed, like they were about to go to bed. 
And so then they actually go to Stan's house and his family's gone out to the movies or whatever. And so I'm expecting them to kind of look out the window and see like a light coming from the basement or whatever where they're secretly doing the bugging of the clock or whatever and get suspicious again. again, But once again, we're expecting like, oh, you know, Stan's going to figure it out or whatever. Stan's going to get suspicious again. Eventually he probably will, but, but they're not going straight to that. So he... He Stan, Stan gets home late from work. His wife and the kid are kid kids. I can't remember how many they are. I don't know. Two, I think. Oh, they have this teenage son because he was kind of making eyes at the daughter when they were introducing families uh, yeah. last week. Um. So anyway, Stan's wife and kid went out to the movies. So Stan's home alone. He cracks a beer. He's had a long day uh, roughing up stereo salesman. <laughs> Yeah, and he he glances stealing out the, caviar. He glances out the window and sees Philip and his son Henry do a little hockey practice in the driveway. And next thing you know, he's over there talking to uh, to Philip. Philip immediately is like, "All right, well, bedtime, champ." You know, like he's <laughs> like he's he's ready to like, "All right, let's get inside," because they're trying to have as little interaction with Stan right. as possible. Because what were they saying, like? Don't want to run into him at, like, what are two travel agents doing at 4 o'clock in the morning or something like that? Oh, yeah. We did learn that they're travel agents. Yeah. I didn't didn't pick that up in the first episode. I didn't either. That is apparently their, like, legitimate job. They run a travel agency, which it seems funny to me that that would require them (laughs) to be out all hours of the night. But I guess if you're arranging travel for important people and they need to do things, then... I mean, D.C. That's kind of... That's true. International stuff. It doesn't really sleep. Uh, Philip ends up just having to send Henry in to go to bed and he gets roped into heading back over to Stan's place and Stan, it was weird. Stan's like, Hey, have you ever had caviar? And he's like, no, isn't that fish eggs? He kind of has the same reaction. He's like, yeah, he says I'm like, had it once at like some kind of international conference conference. or yeah, travel conference. Yeah. He was like, Oh, it was too salty. It was, was, yeah. Um, and and Stan's like, oh, that's what the beer's for. So they have beer yeah. and caviar. With like, it's super weird. Are they like weirdly dipping it with like chips or something? Or they're crackers or something. Cracker. Yeah, it, was so a, it was a bag of something. They're just broing out, just just broing out, having some brews and some caviar. caviar. <laughs> weird. Yeah, you know, just just like just like two dudes would do. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's. Weird. Clearly, Stan is still trying to get a read on this Philip guy because we know that he doesn't think he's legit. I mean, I guess after you know, you do the job for something. When you got a weird feeling, I mean, he's that's what he's thinking. It's like I have a weird feeling for a reason, right? Next morning, Philip uh, meets up with Viola when she's almost to work and sticks the clock back in her purse and says, "You know, here you go, put it back today." Uh, That's when they have that conversation where she asks. If if he worries about God, and he says no. Uh, then we get Stan and his partner roughing up the stereo guy. Yes, the guy. They took, they took like the uh, the screen off the off the, the stereo the foamy speaker, thing, you know, the like foam deal, and rips like, it. Yeah, and his and like shoved it in the dude's mouth. I guess to kind of like choke him a little bit or something. Like it was weird. Yeah, it was because then like. 
because Stan asked the question and the guy's like trying to talk and it's just like Yeah, it was it was totally... what was it that he said like Well he was like his his partner is like um so Stan Stan's like a six foot tall white dude or you know whatever and the the stereo guy's like, Hey, you can't you you can't do this to me and Stan's like, You're right. And he he hands but my the partner here. over to his partner, the 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 little guy. Uh and his partner five six five seven yeah, he's he's my partner here he's one of only three minorities in the fbi so they can't fire him <laughs> so he can do whatever he wants <laughs> and that's when the guy proceeds to jam the foam stuff in in the guy's mouth and they're abusing him but apparently they got what information yeah. they were looking for so yeah so we get we get some scenes of viola thinking about putting the clock back she looks like she almost gets caught she yeah. and then it cuts away we don't really know what happened and it, it cuts away to philip sitting in some car yes with a, like a radio receiver listening to static for a long time and then it's like oh, suddenly it's not yeah. it's daytime initially and then it's nighttime and he's still hearing static he gets mad yeah he's pissed and so then they're back at the travel place He's letting Elizabeth know that Violet didn't put the clock back. This thing's going south. Uh, they're thinking, you know, this is this is bad stuff. They get a like some kind of coded coded call. call. That's when he goes to Celia Gerard, right? And that's when he ends up going to Blondie again, right? Yeah. First, we get the scene where Stan. They they track down the Russian gal yes. from the stereo store. Like a like a little farmer, little it's market like a little fruit stand. Yeah. yeah, and Stan goes fruit shopping. <laughs> <laughs> what he goes shopping for is a plant, uh, and so he he basically stands next to the gal and talks to her without looking at her, and so and uh, basically explains we figured out your whole game. You're using your position to you know, get American stuff, send it back to your family so they can sell it in Russia and make a bunch of money. But they were also, like, before he, like, would, would actually approach her, I guess they were kind of verifying that all the people around her, because, like, they were waiting for one last dude to kind of look up before he actually went in to, yeah, to talk. Were, I mean, there was, a, there was a whole bunch of... They were analyzing all the different people to make sure that... Yeah, because when he walked up, he was like... He's like, I understand your people might be around, so you know. He's he's basically like, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bust you, but I know your people are all watching, and uh, and so he Stan figures out you. This is one of those things where they're showing us Stan's a really good. Uh, he's good at his job. Yes. He uh, he very smoothly, you know, deduces that you know this is not something she's doing with approval. She's not doing anything for the Russians. She's doing it for herself. And so he uses that to turn her uh, and and make her basically their mole mm -hmm. inside the Russian consulate. And uh, and so he gets that little victory. And uh, and then it's back to uh, Philip pretending to be Swedish Scott because he's so Swedish, he's even driving his Saab in this scene. Yeah, it says Turbo Spa. That's right. Saab. Made from jets. That didn't work out for him very well. Sobs no. don't exist anymore. She's like all pissed off because they haven't run away together or something. I I, I wasn't quite feeling what was going on there, but uh, because it's I like she needed the ride, but then he like still got it. She got out because he was like even like I thought you needed the ride. And 
I guess but, what it was was he had to keep that thing going because they hadn't finished the job yet. Yeah. And so he was having to continue to, like, string her along. But it seemed like maybe she was setting him up like it was about to. Yeah. Like, this was definitely added to that feeling like, oh, man, is this all going south? Are they about to get caught? Um, be a short show if they got caught in episode two. Yeah. They're, so then they're back at Viola's apartment. Oh, yeah. Cause she doesn't have the clock. Or she hasn't put the clock she back. She hasn't put the clock back. And so then she's. She's refusing to do it. Right. She's Her son's going to be dead in less than a day. Right. And that's, and, and they're trying to convince her. And she's basically like, nope, you know, you're the devil and I'm not going to make deals with you. And my Lord will protect me. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically all Philip's concerns coming true. Right. She, she's expecting that it's all going to be taken care of by a higher power. And there's no, she doesn't need to deal with these people anymore. So he decides to try to suffocate the sun. Yeah. So he grabs a pillow and starts smothering the sun. <laughs> And uh, and Elizabeth standing there. This is very clever. Like so, Phillips, the bad guy. You know, he's Good he's cop, smothering the kid. It was a little bit of that because Elizabeth's behind him, going, looking at Viola, going like, he's gonna be dead in thirty seconds, and she's like counting it down. She's like twenty, fifteen, and then finally Viola's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. You know, she's um, she falls for it basically. I don't you know. I don't think they were really gonna smother the kid. I'm sure he probably really wasn't. Maybe he was. Well, it probably was. Because well, yeah, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but like, so Viola agrees. She's like, fine, fine, fine. I'll do, I'll do it. You know, I'll put it back tomorrow. And the look on Philip's face, he's like super relieved. Because, you know, that's because that's what they wanted. They wanted her to just put the clock back. They don't, they didn't really want to have to be like murdering well, everybody yeah. because then, then they'd be blown and they would have to figure out what's going on. Um. So then, uh, it, this all happens very quickly. The you know, so she's the next thing you know, it cuts to. Um, I can oh, study. I said that wrong. My note about Philip being relieved. It was the, here's how it went down. Uh, Viola agrees. Yes, I'll do it. It cuts to Philip in the car again, listening to the staticky radio, and then suddenly he's hearing the talking from inside. He's hearing Viola talking right. to the wife of the defense secretary. And so because you already kind of see like, her like plug it in, and yeah. Then... So that's when he's like super relieved, look on his face. He's like, "Oh, good." This she is, really did know. decide to join forces with us. Yeah, he drops. He he puts the electronics in the trunk of the abandoned car, which is probably like a dead drop. Somebody else is going to pick it up later, and and. Well, yeah, because that's how the. I'm assuming that's how because he. Hooks it up to where the thing there's like the tape tape and yeah, everything. Yeah, a tape recorder in the trunk of this. And that's this how that, that car. tape recorder gets to the people. Yeah. I was just explaining that. Okay, I thought you said like it probably, and I'm like, well, it did. Well, it's like it's like he didn't deliver anything directly. He sets it all up and then he leaves. Correct. Yeah, Philip sets it all up and he leaves, which, um, in spy terms, it's called a dead drop. So you Got leave it. it and somebody else comes and picks it up later. You're really a spy. You know, all these terms. I just like spy movies because that allows him to not ever have any contact directly with the Russian people. And so he's relieved. It cuts to Elizabeth, who's sitting there with the dude that's about to die from the poison. Yes. And the phone rings. Two times. It rings and she quickly looks at it Mm -hmm. and it rings again. And you're wondering if she's is supposed to is she going to answer or what's going to, you know, to get the word, but then it stops. And so she immediately jumps up 
injects the dude with the thing and she also breathes a big sigh of relief. Yeah, like, she looks super relieved also. Yeah, so they, they, they've both done their part. They're both feeling okay. This the, the, Here's the thing that uh, it, it distracted me a little bit here. Do you remember using the letting the phone ring a certain number of times and then hanging up to signal people? Oh, yeah. Like instead of calling long distance? Oh, yeah. Like I would always have to, you know, I think when, like when I would call my parents, which I think even maybe there was even a point that I would call and my parents had caller ID or something. Like, I think I was calling from like, even like a little calling card. Yep. But they would somehow know the number or something like that. And I guess so that I still wouldn't really use the minutes from the calling card because it would never connect. Right. So I could still have those minutes. But then, yeah, like I would just let it ring a couple of times or something like that. And then they would call me back. Yeah, the thing I remember that, that was a thing in my house, uh, at the point at which my grandmother didn't live with us, and she must have been somewhere where it was long distance, she was probably still in Ohio and we were in Kansas, um, I guess it was because instead of us paying long distance to call her, she wanted to be the one doing the calling. So so yeah, I totally remember that it would be like they would call and uh, like my mother would call her, let it ring once or twice and hang up. And that was the signal for her to then call back to our house. I'm trying to think like, if even when I went. It's so funny because like, like just long distance is not a thing anymore. And so it's this not. Is one of those things where it's, it's just funny that that used to be a thing. So that's what that reminded me of when, when they were using the ringing to signal. I was trying. Just, that could have just been Viola's sister calling from out of state to give her the signal to call her back. Could have been. <laughs> but I was trying to remember when I was in. London and Ireland and was come back to my parents if I like kind of quickly called and then they would know the number to call me back to like so they would all be still on their phone bill and even though I still definitely had some I remember getting some kind of international calling card but it was probably like specific for that yeah so mission accomplished and they have a little celebration. Philip has a yes. little celebration planned. With this $500 can of caviar from yes, Stan the Man. Well, is that where he got it? Or did he go procure some uh, of his own? I, don't th- I didn't think, I didn't read it as uh, he and Stan are that big of buddies that he got it from Stan. Well, considering, I guess he was, well. Because I don't think he would have been, they might have been concerned about accepting something from from stan i think they would have thought so i think it was he was still setup. probably trying to play off that he really didn't actually like it exactly that was the other thing that's yeah, why was, i thought it was kind of like, weird oh, this isn't very good yeah yeah you mind if i take this home <laughs> yeah no, this, well let's yeah, see, see it's too salty uh let's see if elizabeth can... likes it <laughs> so yeah he asked have you ever had this and and elizabeth's like no you know i was i was poor like you and so it was this whole thing where they're, they're both you know, just like they were, they were sharing. You know, she shared her name in the in the last episode, or where she, what city she was from, or whatever. And now they're they're clearly sharing a little more about backgrounds. And it's interesting to me that um, you would think that it makes sense to me that if you're the government and you're trying to recruit somebody to go be a double agent overseas, of course you would pick on people who are from poor backgrounds. And maybe want to escape 
like if you're offering them an opportunity to escape the circumstances that they were raised in, that they may not have any other way to get out of. Oh, totally. You know, oh, hey, did you want to not live in poverty for, for your entire life, like your family? You know, right. And, um, here's an opportunity. It just requires you to assume an identity and live on the other side of the globe. And basically never talk to your family ever again. But yeah, that was, uh, that, nothing that was, I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, and this is, this is when then Elizabeth kind of reveals that she was really thinking this thing was about to go bad. Cause she says, she says, Hey, you know, that feeling you have when, yeah, 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 yeah. When everything's about to go bad. She's like, I had that feeling. And the thing she said to him, she looked at him and she was like real serious looking at, she says, they shouldn't ask us to do impossible things. Yeah. And this was where, I mean, she's definitely, she's the doubter in this episode. And it's really getting to her. Except in, in his response, you know, here he was, he was the doubter last time. And, but this time he says that he's confident in the motherland. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they've totally switched roles. He's the one that's like, no, no, try, they've got, there's, this is for the greater good. And, you know, this, it must be really important is kind of his thing as to yeah. what they're, and that's, um, yeah, I think that was kind of like his response. Like they wouldn't ask if it ask us to do it if it wasn't. That's right. Really important. That's right. And I don't know if he said that then or if that was like during the knife. I mean the no, gun thing. No, that was that was it. So then Stan, and we so we and then we cut to the FBI office, and it's Stan getting the congratulatory phone call. Right. So then he gets a phone call, and so. He jokingly says that it was the president, and everybody's like, "Oh, you know, you will get to tell like your your grandkids this one day or whatever." And then somebody else like it wasn't it wasn't the president. He's like, what "Was it chief chief of staff or whatever?" Yeah, they said it was the president's chief of staff. He said, "Which is good enough or whatever, or just a school or something." But yeah, so. A victory for his office that they, you know, I guess he got the chick. Oh, boom. This is what I had to look up. I said this last time and you you weren't familiar. I don't, I didn't watch the Waltons, but I've seen this dude pop up in things over the years and, and I was pretty sure this was the case. So the FBI boss is the, the actor playing him. His name is Richard Thomas. He's most well known as being John Boy. Walton okay. in that old TV show, The Waltons. Um, and th- the joke being that they would always say goodnight to everybody. Yes. And they'd say goodnight, John Boy. Yes. Yeah, that, was, that was, so that's, that's about the only part. That's him. I, I'm sure I've seen like the end of it. Maybe I've seen a few episodes, but I don't think I was a big watcher of it. There he is there. I just always remember him having that uh, mole. Yeah. That's, that's why I always recognize him whenever he pops up in something, because... It's pretty distinctive. You don't see that on a lot of actors. So, yeah, so Stan gets his big moment. Uh, boss man gives kind of a little inspiration, like, hey, good work today, everybody. Let's go get those Russians or whatever. That's when the late night ear piercing happens, is is right after that. Right. And that's happening, and then it cuts to Philip. Philip's sitting there watching Henry sleep. So yeah, that was kind of weird. Well, they're both having their oh, yeah. like, parental bonding moment with... The, their child of choice. I know, but it was still weird. It was it was weird. It's a little creepy. I mean, I'm no. After this, I'm going to go up to Penelope's room and sit there and watch her sleep before we give her medicine. <laughs> yeah, 
And then the last thing that happens in the episode is we cut back to the Russian embassy where now they're here to take well undercover Russian gal who's yeah, now yeah. spying for the Americans. Right. We get a little bit of her sitting at her desk. She's just like a typist or something. And there's a the guy sitting next to her and he looks over and he's like, Hey, did you hear uh you know director at S had a had a you know, had a big victory or whatever? And she's like, Oh really? What what, what about? And he's like, Oh, I don't know. That's <laughs> And so um, you thought for a minute she was like right away going to get some juicy scoop right. and um, not, not really. But then, it, then you see a guy walking down the hallway and it's the two boss guys who were talking at the beginning of the episode and they go in and they put down like a tape player and it's the, it's the um, conversation between the British and the Americans that they were hoping to get. And they're talking all about the, uh, it's the it's the British person agreeing that uh, they think that a ballistic missile shield is a great idea, and they would support the Americans in doing it as long as it also covered Europe and not just uh, America. Have you ever heard of Star Wars? Not the movie. <laughs> then no. <laughs> so I was like, what? Like, why are you asking me a dumb question? <laughs> then yeah, not. As in Luke Skywalker. Um, no, Ronald Reagan's ballistic missile defense program that was supposed to consist of this big, complicated array of ground-based stuff and satellites in space with lasers on them and all this. It was, and, and it was, they called it the strategic missile defense system, but the media just started calling it Star Wars. And this was in the this was right at that time frame. So this is like a precursor to what ultimately is going to be Ronald Reagan say saying that he's going to do this system. And uh, I figure there's going to be history stuff in here that I'm just going to be like, yeah, that's what I was reading on my iPad after the episode was over. So I'll put the I'll put the link to the Star Wars program in uh, show notes. Yes, it's an because I'm not a history nut about the Strategic Defense Initiative formed in 1984. It, this has dissolved in 93, but all they did was rename it. Oh, okay. Because apparently some version of the program still exists today. It says, nice. that, uh, it says that by 2020, the U.S. and U.K. also have laser weapons as well as 360-degree laser shields in development, which are expected to be ready for military use as early as 2020. Ooh, that's coming up. Well, here's the thing that, that I've heard before, and I, I haven't read all about this, but... Uh, from what I understand, so billions of dollars have gone into this thing over the years, but basically it doesn't work. <laughs> like it's never been, it's never been tested for real. And I, it's, it seems like the kind of like a boondoggle, like it's just all these defense contractors have made a shit ton of money off the government, but, uh, this isn't like a conspiracy theory podcast, so we don't have to talk about that. But uh, I'm just more upset that a bunch of money going towards nothing. Well, well, basically, the, here was the whole point of it to begin with, and this is this kind of makes sense. So up until the 80s, the stance on nuclear weapons was basically, if you're going to have nuclear weapons, we're going to have nuclear weapons too, and every time you build more, we'll build more. That way, we can. They called it mutually mutually assured destruction. So if you launch yours, 
I'm going to launch mine and we're all going to be dead. Awesome. And so that was the policy for that was the whole Cold War thing. So all through the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Um, but then Ronald Reagan and his administration, they were like, that's stupid. Why don't we just build a thing that would make it to where it doesn't matter if you launch yours because we can just shoot them out of the sky. And so then it doesn't have to be about if you try to kill us, we'll kill you. It's more like you can try to kill us. It won't matter because we'll just make it to where they don't work. And so that's what this whole strategic missile thing was. And apparently still is. Hmm. Except now that we're talking about now, now it's more about North Korea and other countries instead of uh, Russia. So anyway, this didn't have to end with a history lesson. Anything else uh, you want to recap? We can't talk about any of the cool music because there wasn't no, any of this episode. No music. I think that's about it. All right, then. Now I feel like we got we got to at least go watch the beginning of the episode again so we can try to settle this whole... You just want to see the sex scenes again. She, I didn't find her that attractive. That weird harness thing was strange. <laughs> Especially when he like grabbed it, it was like, well, yeah, it was, that's why I was like thinking this whole bondage thing because he like well, really they, grabbed it and kind of got rough with her. They definitely, I mean, they they have this way of shooting it to where it looks like way dirtier. Like, I mean, it looked like they were doing some kind of rough sex thing, but I think he was really just tightening up this camera harness. That's <laughs> really all that he was doing. <laughs> so we're gonna have to go watch it again and see what the uh, deal is. All right. Well, thanks everybody okay. for listening. Remember, you can find us at spousalprivilege.com. We have a Twitter account. It's at spousalpriv because, because the privilege was too long a word. So spousalpriv. And uh, you can find Michelle on Twitter. She's at... At M. Warsh, W-E-A-R-S-E-H. That's right. And I'm at nerd.is. That's N-E-R-D-D-O-T. I S just like the website, not nerdotis, which is or nerdosis, nerdosis, <laughs> the disease of nerdism. Uh, yeah. Thanks grandma. We are also both on uh, Instagram. If you want to find us there, you can rate the show on iTunes. Like I say, you can recommend it in overcast or your favorite podcatcher, whatever you want to call it. You're really sounding like the end of a lot of your podcasts. Well, you know, I've, I've listened to them a lot of times, so it kind of comes naturally. That's it. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time. No, we won't. You'll hear us next time. Yeah. We hope to hear from you. All two of you. Yes. Please <laughs> let us know how you found this podcast. That'd be interesting. That would be very interesting because we haven't told anybody about it. Right. Maybe we will have by the time this one comes out. I don't know who I'm going to tell. Well, me neither because, well, it's like we talked about last time with the, with the with the sex stuff and the cursing and uh, and all that. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to just holler at your friends and be right. like, you know, hey, listen to us talk about a show you may or may not have seen. Right. I don't know. People are just going to randomly find it if they're interested in the Americans. That's why I, I, wanted, this, I wanted to just kind of randomly be found. You want it organic. Yes. Grassroots. Yes. I don't know about grassroots, but organic. You're going to build it like a like a presidential candidate who has no chance of winning. A, a campaign that has no... Let's know, not talk politics. Support. Well, we're definitely not going to talk politics. Ugh, it's too early. No. We'll just pretend it's not happening. We'll just keep living in the 80s and uh, 
and not worry about who's going to be president in the election. Reagan is president right now. <laughs> yeah. Not that we necessarily think he was the greatest, but I don't know. I was too young to know any better at the time. Okay. I'll just say that pretty much most presidents have had their pros and their cons. <laughs> that's a That's a fair statement. I think everybody should be able to agree to that. You would think. You would think, but a lot but of people don't because no. they're, it's just like they're... That's why we're in the middle somewhere. That's because they're just like, ooh, Democrat, Democrat, or Republican, Republican. I can't like stray from... Can't go off of this fence, you know. This is like okay. the after show. This is like we're, <laughs> we're, we go on and on about random stuff. So do we need like some kind of weird sound at the end of a... The episode or something like. Oh, did you like that? Oh, yeah. At uh, the end of uh, John and Dan's show. Yeah, maybe we'll figure oh, something crap. out. That's, so that's the other show. That's road work. Yeah. And that's John and Dan. Mm-hmm. The other John. No, John Roderick. That's oh, so Silver and Benjamin. Okay. Then there's the show that Merlin does with John Syracuse. That's called Reconcilable Differences. Then there's also, there's actually three Johns. No, yes. Yes. Who's the third John? Jonathan Colton. Well, that's true. You always get him confused, but it's funny because he never comes <laughs> I'm up. I'm not saying that he's a podcaster or whatever. Really a podcaster. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Well, there are many Johns. Through the people that. If, that, if that's the point that we're making. It is confusing because John Roderick and Jonathan Colton. Right. See, there's still this kind of. Right. See, there's still. They all know each other. Like, exactly. It's not like Jonathan Colton doesn't know who John. Roderick. No, the other one. Syracuse. Yes. I know that him and Roderick know because they had a CD together. You'll love this. John Syracuse is a huge fan of Jonathan Colton's music. (laughs) Of course he is. (laughs) <laughs> that's and, how uh, they all know each other there's like, this weird ever, circle I don't know if those two have ever talked though I, if they have I have not heard it I don't know that it's been recorded anywhere I know that John Syracuse has gone to a Jonathan Colton concert because he's talked about it before okay but they've never like you don't think they've actually like formally met I don't know I don't know And he, I mean Syracuse knows other people who are pretty good friends with. I mean, I know Colton. this is like the. So they may have arranged that. What is it? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon, of yeah, Merlin Man, <laughs> or J- John Roderick, or something. I don't know. Yep. yep. Dan Benjamin. You could probably do different degrees of all of them. There, well, there's actually have I shown? And probably you? somehow get to Will Wheaton. Yeah, there's a uh, <laughs> there's a couple of different incredible charts that people have done of like the podcasting universe because i'm sure it gets and them can, to see all the connections jordan jesse go yeah they connects to the maximum fun network and five by five and five by five and then independent shows and and different stuff yeah really it's probably the six degrees or is it six eight yeah. what six. six degrees of hodgman yeah, Hodgman's in the mix in there. I'm sure he's probably kind of in the middle of his... Well, because you have two where both Jonathan Colton and John Roderick have appeared on audiobooks for John Hodgman. Let's see, there's another John. Indeed. There's many, many Johns. So is it 
Because it's, 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 it's Jonathan Colton that does the singing for the trivia podcast thing. Ask, ask your mother. mother. Ask your mother. Ask me another. Ask me another. That's the name of the show. NPR's Ask Me Another. <laughs> but then there was brother, brother, brother. My brother, my brother, and me. Yeah. And their theme music is from the Long Winters, a.k.a. John Roderick. <laughs> See? It's all one big intermingling. Because then one of the brothers has the podcast with the wife. Yes. Some of these Scapple, I don't listen to no, anymore, not Scapple. Sawbones. Sawbones. I haven't listened to that one in a while. You think I listen to everything, but I do come and things come and go off the playlist. But I'm saying how like some of these have, like you have the brother, brother one that like then had his own other podcast. Yeah. It's like you're. Well, it's just like our own house where I start off talking to our child on on one show, and then I end up talking you into doing a show. Because that's what this the, is how these things all work. And then people have an idea like, oh, what if we did a show about the that? husband and wife with their four coffees? He was from that's Marco, right? Parment. Yes, and, and he's Tiff. he's from Accidental Tech Accidental, Podcast, right? With John Syracuse, <laughs> and Casey Liz. Casey has a show with Mike Hurley, who's the British guy. Oh, because so, he also he also has a show. He has his own network called Relay FM. Yes, and that's with Dan. Now, Mike Hurley used to be part of Five by Five. But then he spun off and did his own thing with, with Relay. He started off on his own and then kind of merged or got acquired or something by Dan Benjamin and then ended up spinning back off on his own about a year and a half ago. So he only has the one thing with this other guy? Well, he's got a bunch of shows. It's a whole network of shows, Relay FM. I know there's one where, like, he didn't... Because one of them... Mike has a show with Jason Snell. Is that what you're thinking of? Upgrade? Maybe. So no, at one That's time where I was excited because they hand out their awards yearly, and they have category. They asked for ideas for categories, and they actually used one or two of my suggestions. Because I know one of them went, I thought, to England, where the guy is, because like they he was talking about how he would pick up like some kind of oh, you're talking about wireless Hello network. Internet. Am I? And that is CGP Gray. Is a different British guy? And Brady Heron. He's an American guy who lives in the UK. And Brady Heron is an Australian guy. They're the guys who did the votes that I did the postcard and okay. sent and sent the postcard with my vote. When he says when I hear the guys, because I know he's very, I mean, it's the foreign voice. I'm, that's in my head. Well, Brady is, uh, is very Australian and sounds it. I thought maybe this it was a British, but well, Mike Hurley thought... also does a show with CGP Gray, so it's a British guy and American guy, right? Don't and they that's, like that's fly back and forth to each other? Well, they both live in the in London, and they're in or I thought one of them's gone. One they they travel sometimes. CGP I thought Gray th I thought these were two different people that they were in two different time zones somehow doing this podcast. I mean, Jason Snell is on the west coast of America, and Mike Hurley is in London. So they're in different time zones. When so maybe it's the their people. Maybe it's them who I'm thinking of. It could be. This is like the most boring thing for anybody to hear ever. Well, I know nobody's, you're just going to cut this out. Nobody's ever going to hear this. This will be in a bonus episode sometime. 
Because like, I think he even got... Dan and Michelle talk about <laughs> the podcasting universe. Because I thought he got the Apple Watch and was like... Unboxing it and all this other stuff. For... Oh, you're talking about the video I watched that time? No. That was Mike Hurley. Where he was on Periscope showing everybody his Apple Watch. I know you saw it on Periscope, but it's like I think he's... I don't know, it seems like he gets a lot of things and he talks about them. Like how long it... Maybe it was part of the Periscope where he was kind of surprised at how long it was taken to... I guess connect with his phone or something like that. Or I don't remember. Uh, I'm sure at one point I'll hear him be like, this is who I'm talking about. It's this podcast. Who are these people? <laughs> okay. Well, let's go rewatch the beginning of the episode so you can see okay. whether or not I'm right on uh, the fact that Elizabeth actually knows Philip's banging this lady. This is even when he gets back the second time. Maybe it's just the fact that they're really not supposed to have a connection that is supposed to, I mean, they're supposed to be kind of cold with each other and I don't know. All right. Have a great week, everybody.